Welcome to Queer Conversation. In the studio with me today is Maeve Marston. And Queer Stories is one of your, your flagship events. Mm. And it has been really, really successful. And mm. that's been going for 10 years. Is that about Seven, right? I think. Seven? Seven or eight years. Yeah, so I started that as quite a small project, a queer storytelling night where every time six different people would tell a 10, 15-minute personal story. And people really connected with it. And I think it was because I was getting different people every time. And since 2017, I started running the monthly in Sydney and then started traveling interstate. And I still do them in um, interstate and sometimes in regional towns. And the event format is quite simple, but I think there's something really beautiful about listening to people's personal stories. And yeah, more than 300 people have performed a story now. So it's this beautiful archive of Australian queer storytelling that I'm very proud of. And it's not a job that I've grown bored of, you know. It's, um, it's a real honour that people want to share their stories at my events and then also that people want to come and listen. The principle of it is really very, very simple, but mm. I can really imagine how this um, is powerful and yeah. is actually organically fed from the community, by the community. Well, and I think that the, 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 the premise is simple and the format is simple, but without kind of blowing my own trumpet, I think that the reason it's worked is that I've also maintained kind of control on that format. People have tried to go, oh, can it be longer? Can it be shorter? Can, it, can we mix it up like this? And I'm like, actually, I've worked out the length of time that people will pay attention. I've worked out the type of stories that work and the type of writing that works. So people say, can I do performance poetry or can I do... And I'm like, no, this is the shape of it. And I think something in the predictability of that and in the fact that I work really closely with the storytellers on their writing, so I help them shape the piece... Um, if they're not professional writers, means that there's a predictability in format that allows freedom in content and means that every time people know they're going to get a real mix of different stories they haven't heard before. So I think, yeah, the curation, it's subtle, um, but it's the job that I take very seriously and how I work with the writers I take really seriously. And I think that's why it's worked. It, it must yeah. be because it's been still going after seven years and yeah. <laughs> um, it has got an incredible reach now yeah. so and you also um, started a podcast yeah so i share the stories via the queer stories podcast um, which people can check out at queerstories.com.au um, and so it's just little snippets it's the stories that were recorded at the event live and um, it's a lovely way to reach you know sometimes people overseas someone got in touch with me from Liechtenstein the other day and said i'm a queer australian living in Liechtenstein, and i listen to these and it connects me to home and to my community at home um and so I think that it's a real, a really nice way for people who can't make it to the live events or choose not to, to connect to those stories mm. as well. You, you have um, written a play. This yes. is the newest thing. And yes. there's this whole different ball game, right? Well, I've written for theatre a lot. I've toured cabaret shows and kind of musicals. And obviously I write for the stage as part of Queer Stories. But I'd never written a full length kind of, for want of another word, straight play. Um, with, that wasn't music-based and also that I wouldn't perform in. Most of the work that I wrote was for myself to perform, which, I mean, in some ways I've worked at that was quite easy because you know your own voice and you know your own comedic rhythms and mm. all of that. And so I set myself a task a few years ago. I said, I want to write a play that's not for me to perform in um, and see if I can do that as a creative task. And so I set about to write, yeah, this lesbian divorce comedy um, about this family yeah, grappling with separation and a family who's fought really hard to stay together, as a lot of queer families have. Um, and then I started work, working on it and ended up getting involved at Belvoir Theatre with a fellowship there. Um, 
So got a lot of incredible mentorship from the Belvoir team and eventually it got into a shape where they were happy to program it. So now we've got a lesbian divorce comedy running for five weeks this year, which is incredible. Um, it's beyond what I'd hoped. For this is great. Eh? They are actually starting to advertise in Lodl mm. as well, the show, which, which is um, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So um, the show is called Blessed Union. Blessed Union. And Blessed Union. Union. Yeah. And is it based on your on a real story, on your story, or is it? Yes and no. So I was raised by lesbians, and they did separate when I was in my 20s. Um, but that's kind of where it ends, you know, like I used that given circumstances and I used what I knew about being in a queer family before they were perhaps as common as they are now and kind of uh, my friend and I call it, who's also grew up in, with queer parents, call it kind of poster child syndrome, that thing that you're one of the first and that you're um, being held up as an example because, I mean, I grew up in the 80s before there were queer families on television or anything like that. So I used that as inspiration, but ultimately the characters themselves and what happens on stage is not my parents' story. Their divorce, or they weren't married, but their separation does not look like this family's separation. But I did steal from their lives a bit and from my own and from every breakup I've had, you know, like breakups and heartbreak are not universal, but there's, there's lots of borrowing from life. Um, but my parents have read it and they're like, yeah, we can tell that this isn't us and we don't feel like you've exposed our life too much. So mm. that, I think you've got to be respectful of the people you love. And so I asked permission, can I borrow a bit from our lives? And they were cool with it. I really wanted, I really wanted queer women to play the mothers. And I don't think it's impossible for straight people to play gay, but I wanted that energy. And the director, Hannah Goodwin, um, was really passionate about finding an incredible cast, and I think she has. She's a wonderful director, a younger woman who's just really hungry and um, skillful and diligent about the text, and it's a very wordy play. I'm a very wordy person, and so our collaboration's really beautiful. And so Danielle and Maud Davey, who played the mothers, were, like, top of our list, and so when they said yes, um, both of us were stoked. And Emma Diaz and Jasper Lee Lindsay play the children, and they're... I think this is both of their main stage debut and they're incredible young actors who are doing a fantastic job. So yeah, I've been in rehearsals for the last three weeks and watching them bring it to life and pull it apart and find the holes and but also patch them up with their skill has been magical. But yeah, Maud and Danielle have fantastic chemistry and fantastic energy together on stage and bring their own kind of knowledge of being, you know, queer women in their 50s. How does it work with the rehearsal? So do you find you have to rewrite your play? Mm, yeah, oh, I mean, not the whole thing, but there's been a whole journey of, of, of the writing process with Belvoir they, it, before it ever got to rehearsals um, with lots of notes and feedback. And, and again, because it's my first play of this form, um, that was invaluable. And then once you're in the room, you discover beats that don't work or jokes that don't land or things that don't make sense. So over the last three weeks, yeah, there's been lots of going home and writing, writing late into the night to fix stuff. I think we've cut 12 pages in three weeks because we wanted it to be tighter. Um, need to um, People don't want to watch comedy for three hours. Um, so we tightened it for length but also for clarity. Um, and that's been really magical. You know, you'll have a scene that's this long and then you realise that actually the middle isn't even needed because the actors bring such heart and humanity that things you thought you needed to put on the page to make them clear become clear in a gesture or a facial expression or a moment between the cast. And that's what I love about theatre. I think some writers are more solitary people, whereas I'm very collaborative and very social. So being in the room has beat me in my element and I like 
the feedback loop and people being like, look, we don't need that line. And I'm like, yes, cut through it. So yeah, it's been really joyful. But we didn't cut it until we were in the room and could actually see what wasn't needed. And look, different new plays go through different types of processes and some writers don't spend as much time in the room because the director and I have a really good working relationship and she's been involved in the play for a couple of years. Um, we feel really confident being in the rehearsal together um, and she knows how to set a boundary and tell me to stop talking too much and I respect that. Um, and so we've worked really well, so I've been in the room a lot, which helps me to see it. But yeah, some writers go in for one week and then disappear for a few weeks and then come back. I'm not going in this week so that they can say all the things they want to say without me there. If you would have done this play three years ago, it would have been very, very different, I think. I think sometimes with queer art, we want to always paint ourselves as the heroes and homophobia as the villain. And in this play, I've tried to contain the good and bad behaviour within the family. And of course, discrimination that they've experienced as a family has impacted their lives. But I'm a bit sick of a kind of, what am I trying to say, a binary that says that we always have to be good and like pure in order to have representation. Like I want representation for flawed, nightmarish queer people. And so I've tried to write characters who are lovable and who you can relate to, but who are also really flawed. And separation is part of marriage like it's part of and we were all getting together and splitting up before we had marriage equality and I think part of what I'm trying to say with the play is that that heartbreak is eternal and that being able to sign a paper, piece of paper doesn't actually change what it is to try and build a family with somebody and what it is to try to love someone and also have children and also work and also be part of a community and those challenges regardless of if we have the actual right to sign the paper um, are worth exploring. And so if people are annoyed because this family are flawed and because they, you know, because it pokes fun at marriage equality, I'll be like, okay, maybe this wasn't a play for you and that's fine. And the best thing about more queer stories being on stage and screen is that we can have stuff we don't like and we can have stuff we don't agree with and that's okay. Um, so I've tried to write a queer play that I would want to see um, and I've tried to grapple with politics that I'm interested in and personal relationships that I'm interested in and I hope queer audiences like it but also laughing at yourself is a pleasure I think and it's one that we can't always have I, I've said before you know like growing up with queer parents it felt like if we ever criticized ourselves we were giving cannon fodder to the other side and I think it's a privilege to be able to laugh at yourself and critique yourself and mock the idiosyncrasies of your community like well, that's privilege you know so I hope people like it. I'm sure someone will complain and I will cope with it. Yeah. Like it's a comedy, but I haven't shied away from the fact that separation after this couple have been together for 30 years, separation after 30 years is heartbreaking. And for queer people who did fight for the right to be together and be together publicly, there's a different heartbreak. that I And that's one of the things I've tried to grapple with in the play. Like what does it mean if this family unit is something you didn't just stumble upon but fought for the right to exist and it's falling apart and what does that mean to the children and what does that mean to these women who've been activists their whole life um, and so that is part of the narrative and it's part of why I can get a whole play out of the divorce is that it's not just a one moment in time they're really trying to hold on to something this family um, despite falling out of love you know um, so yeah it's a comedy but there's a lot of heart and, and humanity in it and Hannah the director 
Um, one of the reasons I was so thrilled to work with her is that she was really interested in that side as well. She didn't want it to just be a farce. I mean, in some ways with the play, that's some of what I was trying to look at. Like, what have we adopted? Like, if, And I mean, I was... At, during the plebiscite, I was quite outspoken about the fact that I didn't think that marriage was important and it wasn't a cause that I was fighting for. And I understand that it is important for other people, but it was never something that was personally or politically interesting to me. I don't tear up at weddings. I'm not, I'm not going to get married myself. I'm not interested. And that's part of what I'm looking at in this play. But I was also like, what have we adopted from straight people by participating in this institution? And what parts of marriage and divorce and having a legal structure to govern a romantic relationship doesn't necessarily work. Like, what would a custody battle look like if it was managed within community instead of by lawyers? What would it look like if we had structures for, um, I suppose, mediated processes that weren't using a heterosexual tradition and a heterosexual But who would make money then? Yeah. <laughs> You're going to like the play, I think. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Because, well, yeah, like these institutions are conservative. And one of the key questions I try to ask in the play is if we participate in a conservative institution as queer people who are on the outside of it, do we change the institution or does the institution change us? And um, without sort of naming any conclusions, I don't think there's a simple answer to that, but I think it's worth thinking about. I think it's think worth thinking about what we adopt when we are accepted into the mainstream and whether that was the right goal and who we sacrificed along the way. And so I've tried to do that in the play, like deal with those bigger political questions whilst also keeping it quite intimately focused on the personal experiences of this one family. And so it's a large task and there's a reason it took me a few years to write it. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah. Well, I can't wait. So give us the, the deeds. Yes. So Blessed Union opens, well, there are previews from February 11th and then it opens on the 15th at Belvoir Street Theatre in Sydney. Um, it's on until March 11th and it's on, I think, eight times a week. So people have many time chances to see it. Um, yeah, tickets on the Belvoir or Sydney World Pride websites. There's also, I should say for you, oh my God, I'm a fool. There's a lesbian night on March 8th, which is International Women's Day. They're doing lesbian night and it's discount tickets. And I think there's an artist talk with me and some of the cast. So if you're a big Danielle Cormack fan, that's a night to come. And I think drinks and snacks for, they, try, they want to fill the theatre with lesbians. So the, the promo code is thesbians and it gets you discount tickets on March 8th. Uh, my what's um, next for you? Any what's other big next? plans? Um, no, as I was saying to you earlier, I'm parent to a toddler, and so there's a big juggle. So I will write another play next, um, whilst also continuing to do queer stories. Um, there's a queer stories for World Pride that's on March 4th at Riverside Theatres, um, and I'll continue to do those events. And my next play is either going to be set in a dog park <laughs> or set um, in the waiting room. Is it like vastly extreme circumstances. There's either one set in the dog park or one set in the waiting room that you sit in at RPA where you're waiting to find out if you're having a miscarriage. So I'm either going to go quite serious and personal or I might be sick of serious and personal I might go silly dog park. Great. But they're works in progress. But yeah, queer stories, plays, musicals, all the stuff. And how can people follow you? They can follow me, Maeve Marsden, on Twitter. I'm also on Instagram. Queer Stories is on Instagram and Facebook. It's Queer Stories AUS, Queer Stories Oz. Um, and that's where I promote a lot of those shows and podcasts and everything. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming Thanks in. For it was, was a pleasure. Fun to chat.